Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Today, I want to share with you three specific steps that you can take today if your relationship lacks emotional safety due to the impact of a pornography addiction. So often when somebody acts out, when a husband struggles with pornography use in a marriage, it undermines safety, it completely destroys trust, it creates a feeling of betrayal for the wife, and it lacks this sense of connection and closeness because the pornography addiction has come between the husband and wife. And so there's three things that you can do to address this problem so you don't have to struggle in the relationship with feeling no trust for years and years on end, which so many people do, because without knowing what to do, it's easy to just stay stuck in the same process. It's easy to stay stuck in the same type of relationship. And so when a relationship lacks safety, what that often looks like in a wife's world is that she's continually on guard. She always has her wall up because she doesn't want to get hurt. And rightly so. Nobody wants to be in a relationship where an addiction is undermining the safety and the trust and the pain. So the goal is to change the struggle that somebody's having to help the husband break out of the addiction. Because the way that I like to look at this is it's not the husband that's this bad guy. He's not this person who's this broken, defected, defective, flawed individual who's the problem. I like to think about this when I work with couples as this addiction is affecting both people. And yes, the husband is making the choice to go back to these old patterns, but he is not the problem. It's his approach. His decision to go back to the addiction is the problem. And so when I work with people, the goal is to help them identify why this is happening, help them get the tools that they need, and help unite husbands and wives together so they can work through this problem together and ultimately have the kind of relationship that they're desiring, having connection, having closeness, having safety. And so in a wife's world, she's often hypervigilant. And again, for good reason. She doesn't want to get hurt. She often questions if he's actually making progress. She can wonder if he's just lying and getting better at hiding and lying. If the husband says, hey, I'm making progress, I'm doing better, she's going to have a hard time believing that without any safety. She's going to wonder, well, maybe, how do I know that? Maybe you're just better at hiding it. She lives in a world where she's constantly thinking about it. So often husbands don't recognize, when I work with men, they don't realize that their wife is always thinking about this problem. It's always in the back of her mind because it's pain and you can't just forget about pain. You can't, you know, when you go to sleep, you get a reprieve for a little bit, but you wake up and you start to worry again. And the reason why they're there is because there's not safety yet. And so for the husband, when there's no safety in a relationship, again, seeing his wife on guard, protecting her heart, not being affectionate, not oftentimes not really wanting to be intimate, not wanting to have deeper conversations with him. There's this like tension that they feel in the relationship together, which of course affects him. He doesn't want to be in a relationship where there's fighting, where there's tension, where there's anger. And so again, she's not the problem. It's the fact that there's no safety in the relationship. We want to change the approach to create more safety. And so whenever there's fear, Whenever there's fear, we respond very differently to our spouse, our partner. And so part of what I want to encourage you to do is recognize that fear is what's driving this and how we can address the fear and create safety. There's three specific things that we can do. Number one, in a scenario to rebuild safety, in a scenario, in a relationship to rebuild trust, we have to address the reason why there is not trust or safety in the first place. 
And so often in the beginning of the process, it's the addiction. Unless you're dealing with the addiction directly and changing your behavior, and if the husband's getting the tools that he needs to overcome this problem, unless you're doing that, she's never going to feel safe. And unless you're directly addressing the addiction, it's almost like a lot of guys that I hear, that I speak to, they say, no matter what I do, it's just never enough. She still doesn't believe me. She still doesn't trust me. And in the beginning, it's because they're not doing the things that address the problem. So instead of a husband's looping in this, in this place of feeling like, well, it's, what's the point of trying because she doesn't believe me anyways. She doesn't, think I'm, you know, she doesn't think I care about this anyways. Instead of getting stuck in that shame cycle, the goal is to directly address why the addiction is there. For some people, it's feelings of low self-worth. For other people, it's feelings of rejection and not knowing how to process their pain effectively. For other people, it's habit that has been ingrained over years that they need new coping strategies. There's any number of reasons why it's happening, but the key, the first thing, is to figure out why it's happening, to deal with it directly so you don't have to keep looping in that same cycle. I'll share with you a quick example. I worked with a couple where the husband had an affair, and the husband struggled with this uh, affair because he was seeking validation. He didn't feel like he was good enough. And in his mind, through childhood experiences, through growing up through adolescence, he had linked attraction from other women, attraction from women, sexual attraction, sexual interactions. He linked that with validation. So he learned, okay, if I get girls, that means I'm enough. That means I'm worthy. Somebody wants me. Somebody desires me. Somebody chooses me. And for him, he had this breakdown within himself where he didn't feel like he was enough. He didn't feel like he was worthy. But through experiences, through conditioning, through the friend group that he was in, through the content he had consumed, those wires got linked. And so by seeking attention from other people, he felt like he was enough. And of course, everybody wants to feel like they're enough. They want to feel like they're valid. They want to feel like they're worthy. And so he had learned to get that need met in an ineffective inappropriate way. The reality is it didn't actually help him feel like he was worthy. It just, it was a, it was a false sense of security, which is why he continu- continually got stuck in the pattern. It's almost like drinking, but not then having that satiate your thirst. You have to go, it's like, well, if I'm thirsty, I need to go get a drink, but it didn't work. So I need to drink some more. It didn't work. You get stuck in this insanity pattern of it not actually meeting your needs. It's simply a distraction when you're seeking validation from somebody else. So once we identified that was at the core of why he had been watching pornography, again, it was a false sense of like, okay, I'm looking at the screen and intellectually he knew this wasn't true, but he told me that I'm watching the screen and the thought was, well, they're doing this for me. I'm here. They're choosing me. And again, when you're out of the fog of addiction, that doesn't make sense. Of course, they're not doing it for you. Of course, they're not choosing you, but in the fog of addiction, you get distortions that change how you see things. And so he's, you know, he gets this sense of like, I'm enough, I'm validated, and he gets some attention from somebody else. That means I'm enough. I'm, you know, I've got some validation. We identified that. We helped him break those links between validation and outside attention, validation and sexual attention, to where he found the validation within himself. He started to believe through the work that we did the sense of, I already am enough. I don't need to get this attention from somebody else. I'm already worthy. And he already knew that intellectually. Again, this is where it's so tough for a lot of guys. You might know the right answers, but unless you feel that deeply, it doesn't have a change in your life. 
And so through the work that I love doing with people is helping them link what they know with how they feel. Because once they feel something differently and it can actually accept that belief to the degree that it changes how they see themselves, that's when people heal. And so the work that we did, again, to summarize, step number one is to identify why you're struggling with the addiction. Identify the problem and deal with it directly so you can actually exit the cycle and help her know, hey, I'm different now. And this is so helpful. This is such helpful information, I hope, for the wives, because once you know why your husband's struggling, then you don't have to... Let me actually take a step back. So many women that I work with are triggered by everything. They're triggered by everything because they don't know why their husband is struggling. Therefore, everything feels like a threat. And so I remember working with a wife one time where she didn't want to go out to dinner with him. She didn't want to go to the grocery store because she thought seeing attractive women at the store or at dinner was a trigger for him. And so she wanted to protect herself, again, rightly so, from her husband getting triggered and going down the path of addiction because she didn't want to get hurt. But when we started working through this exercise and helping her understand what his triggers were, helping her understand what was the root cause of this at the first place, she learned it wasn't actually seeing other women. It had nothing to do with that. In this particular case, again, when I talk about validation and getting attention for him, it was a link between that sexual attention. This other couple that I'm referring to right now, it wasn't that at all. It was his own sense of feeling rejected, feeling disconnected from his wife, feeling like he was not doing a good enough job in his marriage. That was the source of his pain. And so in that process of helping them become uh, more, in that process of helping them heal, we helped her recognize it was about that. And we helped give him tools to connect with his wife differently. Because it wasn't the wife's fault that he wasn't connected to her. It was he didn't know how to have conversations in a way that did connect them together. He didn't know how to approach her in a way that created a space where she could feel comfortable sharing. So we simply helped him identify that, gave him tools to be different, which then solved the problem for them. Once you know the issue, now everything doesn't feel like a threat. You know what you're working with. And as you do the work to deal with it, then you can actually feel peace and feel excitement in the progress that you're making because you're dealing with the issue head on. So number two, the second thing that you can do to create emotional safety in your relationship is to develop a relationship with connection in it. It's having conversations that bond you to your spouse. Connection is fundamental to the healing process. I remember hearing an author speak once, and he said that the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. And I love that because research demonstrates that connection is one of the most powerful buffers against addiction. And so the goal to creating safety, the goal to creating a different type of relationship, a different type of how we feel individually, it's through connection. And so when a wife feels unsafe, it's often because her husband isn't connect with him, connected with her on an emotional level. There's isolation, there's distance, there's defensiveness. Whenever she brings up her pain, he doesn't want to hear it. He gets defensive and upset and he turns the tables on her. He blames her. He avoids difficult conversations. All of these things are at odds with feeling connected. So when you're on this process of developing safety in your marriage, one of the ways you can do this, how you can, how you can apply this principle, is to have conversations about how you're feeling. And in the beginning, those conversations will often revolve around damage that's not repaired. And so what this might look like, how you can do this effectively, is if a wife has a conversation with her husband and says, I'm struggling today. 
I was at the store, I saw an attractive woman, or I was watching TV, and I saw this scene on TV that reminded me that we don't have any trust, and that hurts. I hate feeling like we're disconnected. I just feel so sad that we're dealing with this problem. Now, in the cycle where the husband gets defensive and says, how often are we going to talk about this? I thought I already apologized. How many times are you going to bring this up? Why do you always make me feel bad? I told you I was trying. I told you that I'm doing better. Why do you bring this up when we're having good moments? When he does that whole thing, what does she feel? She feels neglected. She feels rejected. She feels abandoned. She feels completely unimportant to him. And when you don't feel those things, the building blocks of safety, the building blocks of connection are feeling loved, accepted, validated, and accepted. So if you don't have those things, if, you're, if, you're, if what you're saying isn't, doesn't matter to your spouse, if you don't feel like you matter to them, if you don't feel like what your, if your needs aren't accepted by them, if you don't feel like you're loved by them, there's no way in the world you're going to feel safe. And so in the beginning, when you're having these conversations to create connection, it often revolves around how you feel. And if you're feeling sadness and you share it, and you're met with acceptance, and you're met with love and compassion and validation and understanding, that's how you start to feel safe. One of the things that I love about knowing that this is how we work as people is that when I work with couples, me knowing that this is how you start to feel safe, I want to facilitate that that conversation on session number one. You don't have to be in therapy for five years to start to feel like you're making progress. You don't have to be in therapy for five months to feel like, hey, you're having a little bit of a breakthrough. You can have a breakthrough in a single conversation because of how powerful this feeling of connection is. So when I'm working with couples or when I'm working with husbands, helping them know how to have conversations with their wife, it's facilitating that talk where she can share her pain and he meets her on the emotional level and validates expresses empathy, compassion, there's affection, there's love. The interaction is completely different than when he gets stuck and defends himself and blames and feels bad about what he's done and withdraws in shame. The conversation completely changes. I remember working with a couple one time who learned this process. They learned how to do it. And the key, let me actually link this to why this is relevant. When a husband and wife have these conversations, it creates safety. When there's safety, you will feel a difference in your marriage. You don't have to wonder if your husband is doing well. You don't have to wonder if your husband is lying because you can feel that. You can feel women's intuition is so strong. And so often before they even know about the addiction, they know something's wrong. They can tell "Eh, something's off here. I don't know what it is. Don't feel very connected to him. Feels like we're on different pages. Don't really understand this, but it just feels bad. It feels off. And once they discover, oh, there's been an addiction this whole time, he's been lying and hiding this whole time. He's been compartmentalizing the whole time. No wonder why I felt off. So once you recognize that connection is when you integrate, there's no secrets. You can't compartmentalize and lie and feel connected. Those are different approaches. So when you're connected and you feel like, hey, we're in a good space together, you can't also be lying and hiding and sustain that. And so when I work with couples, again, it's so amazing to see them make progress in a very short amount of time through having these types of conversations, which creates safety so she can feel at ease knowing I don't have to be in hypervigilance mode all day long. I don't have to keep my wall up because I can feel him with me. So when I was working with a couple, they created that atmosphere. And this very specific example, 
in their relationship, there was an affair. And they made an agreement. It was with somebody at work. They made an agreement that he was not going to speak to the affair partner about anything that didn't have to be spoken about, that anything wasn't work-related. Because they were, you know, in neighboring departments, there was some cross-communication sometimes. And so their agreement was, okay, there's no communication. I want you to cut off all communication that isn't absolutely necessary. And he says, I will, I will do that. I'm with that. That makes sense. I'm happy to do it. There was a weekend where he came home on a Friday. The instant he walked into the door, his wife looks at him and says, what happened? What'd you do? And he says, what do you mean? She says, I can tell something is different. What happened? And then he immediately said, you're right, honey, what happened was, and then he shared the story about how he was leaving work. The woman approached him and started talking about his weekend plans. And he just tried to like minimize the conversation, but there was a little bit of an exchange there. And then he got out of there and he came home and he felt bad. He felt this nervous energy. He felt like I didn't, you know, this wasn't what I I shouldn't have done this. I should have handled this differently. We had a conversation. I tried to shut it down. She was talking and I didn't shut it down the way that I I needed to. Therefore, I just feel bad because I crossed a boundary, a boundary that we had set up. When a boundary is crossed, when there's been, and in in this case, there wasn't this hiding and deception and lying about it. He told her right away. But when there is a breach in this boundary or a violation or hiding, you feel that. And the wife instantly said, what happened? And he shared with her, they repaired it together. They felt better immediately instead of having a fight for the next week about the problem. They felt so much better because they were able to come together, resolve the issue because she could feel something's off. Therefore, she was able to directly address it as was he. So they came together in a different way. So to summarize all of that, the second step that you can take is to develop a deeper sense of connection in your relationship through conversation, through sharing, through validation, working through pain, repairing damage, being open. There's lots of ways that you can do this. But by virtue of developing more connection in your relationship, the safety increases dramatically so you both can actually feel at peace knowing you're on the right track. The third thing that I would encourage you to do is to specifically identify her fears. When a husband and wife know exactly why she's afraid, then they can deal with it directly. I remember having a conversation with a couple where the wife's fear was that her husband was still interested in watching pornography. He had been doing very, very well. He hadn't turned back to it in months, but her specific fear was at some point he's going to turn back to it because he still wants it. And I'm scared that because he wants it, it's only a matter of time because I'm not enough, because I wasn't interesting enough to keep his attention. He sought his sexual fulfillment in somebody else. And so that must mean that he, you know, doesn't think that I'm enough to keep around. That was her verbiage. I'm not enough to keep around. The reality is it had nothing to do with that. The reality for him was that the reason why he turned to it was it was a coping mechanism for him. And he hated the fact he was turning to it, but he was stuck in the fog of addiction and the pattern became bigger than he was. It became unmanageable. That's a part of the definition of addiction. It grows to be bigger than you are. It grows beyond your capacity to break free from it. And that's how it was for him. And so for her, what we facilitated in a session was for her to share with him her specific fears around, I don't think I'm enough because I feel like this is why you turn to it. 
He was able to then clarify, that's not why I turned to it. This is why I did. This goes back to the first thing that we shared in this episode here. We want to identify exactly why he's turning to it. And so when he shared with her, this is why I turned to it. It's not because of your inadequacies. I don't see you as inadequate. I love you. I got looped into this pattern when I was 12 years old. It became so ingrained and I just got, I get stuck here. And the reason why I was here, it was not because of this. It was for another reason. And once he shared with her the other reasons, it was because of his own inadequacy, his own self-worth. It was a coping mechanism for him. She started to feel more at ease knowing maybe he doesn't desire this. And I said, let's go a step further. Can you share with him the fear that he still desires this? And when she shared the fear, he was able to counter or rather reassure her fear that he has no interest in going back. The reason why he was there is because it was a coping mechanism, but he has learned so many new tools to deal with this issue that the new way of approaching his pain, the new way of coping felt so much better that he didn't want to go back. There was no need to go back because he found a better way to do it. And the story that I shared with her, just to kind of drive the point home, I said, I get the fear that he's going to go back to this because that's been your experience. He has continually gone back. He's then lied about it. He's then covered it up. So that's been your experience. Imagine if you're driving home and it takes 45 minutes to get home from work. Imagine you find a shortcut and then it takes you 20 minutes. Does somebody have to motivate you to take that shortcut? Does somebody have to twist your arm and remind you, hey, don't forget the shortcut today. Hey, make sure you take that shortcut today. Nobody has to do that because once you find a better way, once you find a way that's more smooth, and let's say the shortcut, instead of riding on a bumpy road that's got these divots and potholes, it's a smooth, well-worn, paved freeway that gets you home in half the time. No one has to twist your arm into taking it. The same thing is true for the husbands. When they learn how to be different, instead of hiding and lying and hating themselves because they're in this pattern, feeling disgusted with themselves because it goes against their values, no man wants to feel that. They get trapped in the addiction cycle and end up back in that same loop and it feels awful. So once they learn how to get out of it, once they learn a new way of being, once they learn new coping strategies that help them to be a better person, it just feels way better. So they want to choose that. It has no, there's no need to apply willpower and pressure and the husband doesn't need to continually remind himself to be this type of way because it feels different and he naturally wants to feel better. So finding a new pathway to do that achieves that. So when I shared that story with her, it made sense. It's like, okay, that does make sense. I do see that he's different. And then he said, that's exactly how I feel. I feel disgusted when I think about what I've done in the past. I have no desire to go back. It's not who I am anymore. And because I've grown as an individual, because I've gotten way better coping mechanisms, there's no temptation for me to go back. I don't feel like I'm at risk of slipping again because I'm in a different place and I've got different tools. I feel like that's behind me now. And that, I think, is an encouraging message that I want to share with you, that addictions absolutely heal. You don't have to stay stuck in this problem for years and years and years, though most people do. They do because they don't have the way out yet. But once you discover the way out and you get the tools that you need, you can completely leave this behind you and have the kind of relationship with yourself and with your spouse that you've always wanted that feels, again, infinitely better than being stuck without safety, without trust, feeling shame, feeling inadequate. The process to change is so exciting 
once you get the right tools in the direction that you need. And so I want to encourage you guys, as you think about where you are in your relationship, if you lack emotional safety, if you lack trust, if you lack connection, these are the three steps that you can implement today, this week, to help you actually make progress into feeling different without having to spend five years in therapy. You can have breakthrough conversations the very moment you start to have them together. And once you do, that's when you're going to start to notice, hey, this feels better. I'd rather talk like this. I don't want to fight. I don't want to yell. I don't want to get stuck in these cycles. So I would encourage you to take one of these things, try to focus on at least one this week, implement it, see how it feels, and have that build your confidence that it actually is possible for you to have safety and trust in your relationship, which ultimately will help you to move forward feeling so much more at peace, more in love, and more connected than you ever have been. Okay, I hope that was helpful. And for any of the men who are listening, I want to invite you to join if you're looking for some extra support and tools and help implementing these uh, tools and strategies so you can fully overcome pornography so that it doesn't have to follow you around anymore. Go ahead and go to uh, www.facebook.com groups slash tools to quit. And the link is going to be here in the uh, show notes as well. So I look forward to watching you guys make progress and really overcome this addiction, get this problem out of your life, restore your relationship so you can actually move forward and leave all this behind you in a way that there's actually closure.